HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat and Three, our weekly food news roundup. Last month, Hurricane Florence walloped parts of North Carolina. According to the Weather Channel, it was the wettest tropical storm to ever hit the Tar Heel State. So how did the restaurant industry respond? Some helped FEMA weather the storm, while others got to work feeding people on the ground. We just walked in and said, we know how to cook, what can we do? They said, I need you guys to just cook 150 pork loins, and we were just like, uh, okay. (laughs) Now the attention needs to be on Florence's long-term effect on North Carolina's farming community. The general mood of farmers is one of certainly resilience and almost feels like it's the normal course of business to just get hit by a gigantic hurricane and need to just keep on going. So tune in to this week's Meet and Three on Heritage Radio Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts. to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and we're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, October 17th, 2018. This is the 193rd episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a top sommelier at a luxury resort in Tennessee, which I had the privilege of visiting very recently, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to taste. Yes, try new things and experience new flavors. Don't be afraid to take a bite or a sip of something you've never had before. You might be pleasantly surprised to discover that you actually like it. And worst case scenario, you will learn that you don't enjoy that food or beverage, and you simply don't need to have it again. But there are so many interesting and delicious flavors available that can delight and broaden your palate, so don't limit yourself, and just taste. That's my tip today. 
Now, I'm happy to have my guest here with me in the studio up from Tennessee. It is Andy Chabot. He is the sommelier and director of food and beverage at Blackberry Farm, a luxury hotel and resort in Relais Chateau property on 4,200 acres in Wayland, Tennessee, bordering the Great Smoky Mountains. Andy is a graduate of the CIA, who after a stint at Little Nell in Aspen, found his true interest in the front of the house. In 2002, he began his career with Blackberry Farm, and soon he became involved in its young wine program. He worked his way up to director of dining and beverages, and in 2014, under his direction, the barn at Blackberry Farm received the James Beard Award for Outstanding Wine Program, which is very impressive. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. It's, yeah. you know, it's great to to meet you here in Bushwick because when I was down was down at the farm, I didn't meet you for, for some reason. You know, I think I actually might have been here when you're, oh. at, when you're at the farm. Sitting there at the you table go. Right outside. That that then makes sense. <laughs> well, it's good to good to connect now here. Absolutely. So so let's talk about uh, your background a bit and how you got into the food and beverage industry. Sure, sure. So, uh, you know, I've worked in restaurants really since I started working um, and, uh, where I grew up in New Hampshire. Okay. And uh, one of my very first jobs was washing dishes at a local Italian restaurant in, uh, in Dublin, New Hampshire, a really great restaurant um, run by uh, David and Elena um, Del Rossi. They were really great. They let me kind of work up from washing dishes to making salads to working on the line to... Um, you know, to, to cooking every day. And, and I thought, this is the life for me. And, and I really, I just really loved it. So I, I looked at culinary schools out of high school and um, fell in love with the CIA after visiting there. After I saw the place, there just really wasn't another place for me, I thought. Uh, so, you know, I went there at full intention of being a cook and a chef. And, mm-hmm. and I, I love cooking. I love working on the line. Uh, but, uh, after a little bit at uh, the Little Nell, I kind of realized that as much as I loved cooking, that it looked like the people in the front of house were having a lot more fun than I did. And specifically, I thought the wine people were having a lot of fun. And so I went back to school. I got another degree at the CIA and uh, then moved down to uh, Tennessee and found Blackberry Farm. What was your second degree at the uh, CIA? So you, at the CIA, at the, and still, I believe, you can get two degrees. You can get an associate's in culinary uh-huh. arts, but then a bachelor's in sort of professional studies, hotel business management. Uh, so that's, that's what I you know, did. And there are you know, more classes on advanced cooking and wine classes. And you know, there was a trip to uh, California at the time that was part of the curriculum that uh, really kind of opened my eyes a little bit. I thought it was an amazing place, the farmer's markets, the... Uh, the wineries, the restaurants, it was, it was really exciting, you know, and I rented a car on the weekend. It was a one, month-long trip, so I rented a car. We traveled around, me and a buddy, and uh, you know, visited wineries, went out you know, to all these places, and really sort of started to cement this idea that working in the front of house was going to be what I wanted to do. Uh, and so when I graduated from there, again, um, you know, I looked at a few places. I want to be back in the East Coast. I want to be in, in the Appalachian mountain chain instead of the Rockies. And, uh, you know, I found a few places I thought would be very interesting. Uh, the White Barn Inn in Kennebunkport, Maine at the time. I've uh, dined there. An amazing place. I <laughs> yeah. love it. You know, and that's, you know, being from New England, I thought that would be an amazing place. And I love mm-hmm. Kennebunkport. Uh, I looked at the end of Little Washington, which was, you know, and still is at the time, right. one of the top places in the world. Uh, but then I also looked at this place called Blackberry Farm. 
And this was in 2002. And uh, it wasn't really as well known, I don't think. And um, I went down there and, and visited and stayed the night and, and fell in love with the place. There's, there's an energy there that uh, I hadn't seen or felt anywhere else. And I met the owner at the time and the dining room manager, and everyone was just super friendly. And there was an energy and a, a uh, sort of this feeling of growth and this, this, this just great feeling there that I fell in love with. I yeah. could see that just from visiting. There's definitely a feeling there, and yeah. the hospitality and the um, the level of niceness I would say yeah. is beyond anything. And and you just feel special visiting. So I would imagine, yeah, you why you were drawn to it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so um, so they had a job for me as a waiter, and and uh, I said, this is great. And, and at the time, the wine program is very new. The alcohol program, mm-hmm. um, the county that. That Blackberry Farm is in is a county that at one time was dry and has, has uh, sort of since changed. And that change started around 1999, 2000, which was when Blackberry Farm got a liquor license and ability to sell, uh, you know, wine and such to, to its guests on premise. Um, and at that same time, the owner at the time, Sam Bell, was uh, in California finishing uh, some of his schooling. Uh, he was working at the French Laundry, and he's also working at the Ritz at the time and going to culinary school, and um, uh, was, was starting to send wine back once once the liquor license kind of passed. So when when I started, he had just returned to property, and, and the wine program was new, and the energy was great, and uh, I started helping him with, uh, with the wine. And what I was doing, I was writing a wine list, um, I was moving boxes, I was helping count inventory. Uh, you know, I would, I would do my best to just always come in and help, even though I sometimes wasn't supposed to because, you know, sort of my other, Mm -hmm. my job was waiting tables and I should have been all the time doing that, but I would try to come in off the clock and, you know, eventually they just, I think, couldn't keep me away anymore. (laughs) And and I, you know, and I think they appreciated the help and it was, uh, you know, I had a passion for it, but not a lot of knowledge for it at the time. So then how did you learn about wine? Did you did you take classes or yeah. did you just learn from from being on the floor? And really, it's that second you know that second yeah. form of it. In that we started really from a very small wine program, and so as we started to sort of grow it and get wines from different places, I had to put those on the wine list. And to do that, I had to study about where those wines were from and, and what how you would organize a wine list and you know add this region to it. So that's really where. Um, that's how I, I feel like I learned, but I also got the opportunity to start traveling and to start visiting wineries in, in wine regions. And I also, um, you know, started going through the court of Master Sommelier. So Sam um, and I took our first level exam at the time. There were only three levels. Uh, we took that first level together in Ohio, um, which was which was fun. Went to a restaurant and ordered great wines and had a really good time. I remember the waiter knocked over a bottle of Albin um, Pandora on us. And uh, we caught most of it, so that was it. Was good. It was a great bottle of wine. We hated <laughs> to lose any, so yeah, yeah. Well, and I know, I know you have you've passed the advanced level of court yes. of master sommeliers, mm-hmm. which is a big deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I passed uh, that in two thousand and five in uh, Harrogate, England. I got a scholarship to take that. I found out about a month before I was taking it that I was going to be taking it. So it was sort of like a hurry up and, and figure things out. And it was right before, really, you could look at stuff online. I mean, you had to buy books and cram with books and everything. Um, but it was fun. And, you know, I was surprised uh, that I passed, but I did. So that's great. And I've taken the, the master level a few times. And I've yeah. done well 
but you know, it's a yeah. tough exam. So. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that more later sure, too. Sure. What? So f- I feel most my my listeners probably familiar with Blackberry Farm. Okay. However, for people who who are not or might want to know more, like in your own words, how do you describe what Blackberry Farm is and the food and beverage program? Yeah, so that's I've always struggled w- with a great succinct uh, <laughs> definition of Blackberry Farm, and I think that in itself is somewhat of a definition, mm-hmm. in that it, it can be a lot of things to a lot of people. Um, we we really I tr- really try not to box it in, but I always come back to it. It's a little over the top. We we I mean, it, from the wine side of things, we have wines that you're always surprised that a place in Tennessee has, let alone any place in the country, um, and and. We try to have selections for for just every taste and every you know wallet and um, and and we really are excited about about that and the food follows that sort of same um, path in my opinion you know we we have these great luxurious items I think it's all focused around the foods of our area and and the the, mm-hmm. the local cuisine uh, but not so much in technique as an ingredient it's it's definitely southern food where we are. Um, but I think that always conjures, you know, up, you know, fried chicken and fried catfish and all this. And of course, we have those things when people want them. But more, it's using these great local southern uh, produce ingredients and, and putting kind of a, a newer spin on them. That to me is the cuisine of Blackberry Farm, very local and southern because that's where it's grown and that's where it's made and served. But maybe not traditionally southern. Yeah. No, I. I... I would agree with that. I found the food to be so fresh and so delicious, but like just, and the variety was, was, was wonderful too, but it was, I felt we were spoiled by the, by the local and the freshness of, of the products that were being served. Yeah. Yeah. We've always called it Foothills Cuisine. I mean, we are in the foothills of Appalachia and, and that cuisine has always had a great focus on produce and on legumes and peppers and and on the garden. We have an amazing garden at our property. We get produce from that garden. Um, we we save seeds. We we really have. I mean, we make our own cheese and charcuterie and jams, and we have this really traditional quality about what we do. But I think when it comes to the table, it sort of uh, resonates with the food movement in this country over the last thirty years. Uh, so I, I really think our, our food's amazing. You mentioned on variety, most of our guests will stay with us for about three nights mm-hmm. at Blackberry Farm. And, uh, you know, so for us, it's not just a one, a one and done kind of menu. We have to have menus that change daily. And, and so, I mean, our chefs, I think, are amazing and, and are challenged to, you know, where other people might have 15 dishes on a menu in a season. They need 45 great dishes to, to span a three-day changing menu. Uh, so, I mean, our chefs are just so intelligent, so good at creating these great seasonal sort of local dishes that, um, are world class and and have a lot of them. So I, I, yeah. I praise them. They're amazing. And you definitely feed people when they come. Yes, no one <laughs> no one leaves hungry. That's nobody certainly. leaves hungry. There's and it's just yeah. It's it was yeah. You definitely are spoiled when you when you visit there. Well, we want you to feel spoiled. <laughs> it's a special place. You know, it is. Okay, so let's take a little break here, and we're going to come back and talk more with Andy. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network.
Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Andy Chabot. He's the sommelier and director of food and beverage at Blackberry Farm. So what's a typical day in the life now when you're on the farm? Are you working the floor? Are you drinking wine? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, um, well, I mean, there's, there's not really a typical right. day, you know, and that's one of the things I've always loved about restaurant work. Um, but I, I tend to get to work in the mid morning. Um, I, I like to sort of get in to the restaurant offices before a lot of people have gotten in. So I have some quiet time to work and there's always, you know, the uninteresting or interesting depends who you are, um, you know, spreadsheets and financials and, and things that you need to focus on to run a good restaurant. Uh, the chefs usually start coming in, you know, at night around, you know, noon, I guess I should back up and say, you know, we serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know, mm-hmm. so I try to go into the nighttime restaurant when I get there in the morning, sort of find a little bit of quiet time. Um, always go and try to check in on the, the, the breakfast restaurant, the main house, and see how they're doing and, and touch base. And, you know, then I kind of try to get some of the office work done. Um, depending on the day, you know, I, I'm still the wine buyer. Uh, so I have sometimes meetings with uh, distributors or importers um, who might want to taste wine and, and uh that's always fun. That's always great. I try to get some of the other sommeliers involved when, whenever we have that. Um, you, you know, we have kind of always, you know, you get to talk with people and have meetings and, and things like that. So, you know, I might talk. We have a great sort of events team talking about events that are upcoming. And we'll talk about, you know, the, the flow and the organization of those and how it's going to work and who's coming and things like that. There are always menus to work on. There's always, there's always something right. coming up you know, at BlackBerry. And, and that's as exciting as that is. Um, that means we always have to be, you know, producing menus and producing, um, and staying ahead of that in order for those to run the way we want them to run. I mean, we have series of food and wine events where guest chefs and guest winemakers, uh, guest importers come in. So we're, we're sort of constantly trying to stay ahead of those menus and prepare and, and make those as great as they can be. Um, you know, and then, you know, I, I certainly still work the floor. Um, I wor- really this year I started working it a little less, which uh, you know I've always loved working the floor. So for me, that's yeah. it's really just you know at some point you have to take a little more time you know for yourself. But I've always loved it. It's, it's kind of what everything leads up to. If if you do a great job during the day, you get to have fun at night, um, talking to guests, serving wine, doing wine tastings, and that kind of a thing. So so I always love that, and it's part of the job. I think that appeals, you know maybe the most to me, but I've always loved service in a restaurant also. There's this sort of, mm-hmm. no matter what, you know, it's going to end and you have this sort of this rise through service in this fall, but you know, it's the end of your day when, you know, the last person goes home and, and there's, there's something slightly addictive about working service. So, uh, yeah. so I do try to still work service a lot. I don't know. 
Yeah, that energy or that, that yeah, I think that's a lot of why people yeah. get into the hospitality industry. I think, so. I think so. And, you know, no matter what your problems are, they'll be over at whenever your service ends. You know? So it's not like a lot of other industries. <laughs> it's a good are, way to look at it. You know, it's sort of like you could take those home with you for you. It's just sort of like, oh, you got through it. doesn't yeah. matter, you know. Yeah. Well, let me ask you my question from my last guest. On episode 192, I had on Pavia Rosati, who's the founder and CEO of Fathom, which is a travel website inspiring journeys all over the world. Hmm. So Pavia would like to know... She saw in 2019, Blackberry Farm has a whole big plan to do a lot of progr- a lot of programming yeah. around food, wine, wellness, culture, and art, cultivating a year of remarkable experiences. She, so she wants to know what you're looking forward to the most. Wow, those I mean, <laughs> uh, well, every event that we're going to do, I think, will be amazing. Um, you know, I, I will say that there's an event sort of later in the year. Uh, with uh, Jose Andres and Eric Ooh. Solomon that I'm really looking forward to. Kind of selfishly, I took a trip to Spain this year with Eric Solomon, and I, I know what he's working on, I know what he's doing, uh, at least uh, I think I do. He's, he's uh, an amazing person and he's always finding new things, but the quality of some of those new Spanish wines I know he's focused on right now is, is super exciting to me. And Jose Andres has always been exciting, um, but he's just done so much in the last year, year and a half, um, for the world of food and wine and just, uh, you know, the, everything he's done from a, a, um, philanthropic uh, mm-hmm. sort of level. I, I just, I'm excited to spend time with, with those two people. Oh, I could totally see, see that. So I know I, I get your, your emails and some marketing yeah. material. And I know the calendar comes out. Did these experiences get booked up really quickly? And I think I was told that October was like impossible or like the hard to get yeah. time at Blackberry Farm because of all the, the leaves changing and how beautiful it is. Yeah, you know, um, yes, October is certainly a peak time, you know, for mm-hmm. us. Uh, and, and when I first started at Blackberry Farm, there was sort of like, the, you know, there was a definite peak season and everything was a little slower. I mean, that's kind of all year now, it seems. Right. I mean, well. um, there's always something amazing happening, but October's a peak, peak time. The events, yeah, I mean, some of them book up immediately. Um, and then some, you know, take a few days to book up. Um, <laughs> and we do all sorts of different size events, too. So some events are, you know, 30 guests. Uh, this one we do every year called uh, Wine Geek Weekend. And we've been doing it for over a decade. And it is sold out for 2019 already. Um, and we haven't even done 2018's uh, Wine Geek Weekend yet. So, I mean, that's, you know, a great small event that, that we do every year. Um, we host HDR Hospista Rhone every year, which I'm super into Rhone wines, and I look forward to that every year. It's in the spring. It's with, uh, you know, co-hosted with John Albin uh, and Vicki Carroll. And, uh, I mean, that event is always amazing. It brings in three to four guest vintners from all over the world that are all focused on Rhone varieties, which is a focus of our list. So that event's always great. But the different events sort of book up at different paces. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there's no rhyme or reason to it, but they're always amazing, and none of them are ever that large. I mean, our hotel's not that big, so no matter what, you as a guest are spending time with those guest personalities. That's not something you get an opportunity to do, I don't think, anywhere else. Uh, certainly from yeah. my perspective, selfishly, in our sommeliers and our chefs, to get to work with these other sommeliers and other vintners and other chefs, uh, throughout the year without having to go anywhere is, is pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I saw today an article on Bloomberg by Kate Crater talking a bit about Blackberry Mountain, sure. a sister property to Blackberry Farm is what this article said. And yeah. sort of started to hear a little about this. So um, let's talk about Blackberry Mountain. What's happening? Sure. So so Blackberry Mountain is, is a sister property of ours. Um, it is about eight miles away from Blackberry Farm. So it's in Tennessee. Okay. Same part of Tennessee that we are in. But uh, if you've been to Blackberry Farm, but if you haven't, it sits sort of in a valley, a three-sided valley called a cove. And, and it's sort of, you know, it's lush and verdant and, and surrounded by hills. Uh, Blackberry Mountain is that is part of the ridge that you might have seen if you drove in. If you're driving into the Smoky Mountains, you kind of go through it. Well, um, I... So the of, other direction from the airport, then? Yeah, yeah, from the okay. airport if you're I driving in. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but, well, but those this, Smoky Mountains, I need to go back through there for sure. It's this sort of noticeable ridge that that um, is called the Chilawi Ridge uh, that is sort of the very beginning. It's not in the Smoky Mountains, but it's the beginning of where you start to see mountains. Uh, beyond that, it's sort of the uh, plain and then the plateau in Tennessee. Uh, so it's, it's part of that ridge, and it curves around, and it really dominates the view from Blackberry Farms veranda at the main house. Um, and and um, I think we, our, our company purchased the property around 11 years ago and has been thinking about it for, for a long time. Uh, they put, um, you know, around half, a little over half of it into conservation, just like they did at Blackberry Farm. Uh, so it's really, a, I think, you know, a big move to preserve the area, to preserve the, the landscape and, and, and keep it untouched. Um, but it, it is going to be a new small hotel uh, that's that's opening this coming year. So, yeah. Are you involved with, with that property yeah, and its so, wine program? And, absolutely. I'm yeah. involved in the wine program, the food program okay. there. Um, we will have two restaurants there, one called the Fire Tower, one called Three Sisters. Um and uh, yeah, and I'm I'm very involved in that. So we'll have at at uh, I guess somewhere through next year uh, five total restaurants in our sort of restaurant uh, group, hotel group. And I'm excited to sort of expand. It's it's fun, you know, to be able to work on a, a new project that has some of the same DNA that that we have. Yeah, it sounds it sounds wonderful and more 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 reason to visit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, it's it's um it's an amazing uh, new venture, and I think anyone that knows us. Uh, and, and trust us knows that we're going to do it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can second that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what um, what advice would you give to someone who wants to get into the hospitality industry or be a sommelier and work at a luxury resort property? Yeah, like, how do you, you know? You know, it's a um. There, there's a lot. I think that a lot of the things you could say or do or what have you. I think the biggest thing you can do is have a good attitude. You know, if, if you come to work every day and you choose to have a good attitude, you choose to work hard, especially in this industry, things will go well. And I don't mean, you know, work 90 hours a week. I mean, work hard while you're there and, and have a good time doing it um, and, and do it if you're passionate about it. Um, and I think be willing to, to accept that things can change and, and your desires and your path might change. Uh, I think I've seen that a lot, you know, with me, but also people that work with me that they thought they wanted to do something and then they decided... I had no idea it was like this. I want to do mm-hmm. something else. And that's okay. You know, I think that, that it's, this industry can offer so much to so many people. If you are sort of dead set on a, on a direction, you know, work toward that. I, I think I see a lot of people that want, they come in, they want to do it right away. Um, 
but you know there's there's always a path to get there and it's not always direct you know and it might seem like you're working kind of the wrong way or taking this circuitous route to get there but often you end up in a better place you know and i think trust those people that are trying to to guide you along uh, and realize that it's going to take some time and, and it's fun hard work you know sort of enjoy it while you can and learn along the way yeah that's great advice Okay, let's take one more break here, and uh, we're going to come back, and we're going to have my speed round game and talk some industry news. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Andy Chabot. It is time for my speed round game. Oh, okay. And you got the hat on. That's like a good look. It's a rally cap. Yeah, yeah. He's wearing my All in the Industry hat, and I think you're going to play well. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do my best. So um, I'm going to name a couple things, and you just pick your preference, like chocolate or vanilla. Right. It'll be choices. Okay, here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat in. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Wine. That was an easy yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> Tasting menu or a la carte? Um, a la carte these days, yeah. Small plates or large plates? Large plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? All-inclusive. How about red, white, or rosé? And I'm going to throw in or natural wines. I, don't, I, I know they're not probably all like No, it's fair. Equal. I think it deserves its own, <laughs> own part of the category. Um, oh, with, with it being so fall right now, I'm, I'm saying red. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Horseback riding, fly fishing, or any other Blackberry Farm activity? Oh, um, so many. You know, I would so probably, many. I'd probably take a road bike out. Uh, ah. With a guide and check out the roads. Yeah. All right, that yeah. sounds good. I had a nice, I had a nice horseback ride. It was number two. Uh, well, because I live in New York City, like when do I get to ride on a horse? Yeah, but <laughs> probably, yeah, yeah, not so much. <laughs> no, it was lovely. Okay, how about cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Last one is Manhattan, Brooklyn, Knoxville, or Wayland. I'll throw them mm. all in there. Well, this might be, I mean, I love where we are, um, but similar to your horseback riding comment, I, mean, I love to visit places, mm-hmm. um, and I would say Manhattan. All right, yeah. go Manhattan. Yeah. And that's the game. So it was good. It wasn't as hard as I, I thought it might well, be. Well, because you had the, okay. the hat on. I feel like you rally had the power. Cap. Yeah, the rally cap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
No, you were good. Okay, so before we talk industry news, I just want to give a little summary or shout out to this past weekend. October 11th to 14th was the 11th annual Food Network and Cooking Channel NYC Food, not Wine and Food Festival. And this was presented by Capital One in New York City. It's mission to eat, drink, and end hunger, benefiting No Kid Hungry and Food Bank for New York City. Uh, the festival featured so many amazing events. Uh, they have their signature rooftop parties, grand tasting, culinary demos, intimate dinners, and more. I went to the Blue Moon Burger Bash, which was on Friday night, presented by Pat LaFrida and hosted by Rachel Ray. And I also went on Sunday to the Coca-Cola Backyard Barbecue, presented by National Beer and Pat LaFrida Meats, and hosted by Billy Durney and Pat LaFrida. And they were both awesome. And I didn't do any on-site interviews because these events are really hard to to get the players, um, you know, to, to stop them in the action and to to record an interview. So I just wanted to give it all a shout out here today. Um, I've been many times to this festival, and it's like one of the most well-executed festivals and events I've, I've ever attended. They do such an incredible job. And that, um, festival founder Lee Schrager and his teams at Cream, Agency 21, Dev Inc., The Door, and more. I just want to say thank you and congratulations. You guys really rock. And if you want to find out more about it, their website's nycwff.org. Okay, so industry news. You know, I always think things are kind of, you know, funny how they happen with news because there are two articles in the wine world that just came up, and I feel like you're the perfect person to talk to about them. So, first one, I have an article on Eater, The Outrageous Master Sommelier Scandal Explained. This is why 23 newly appointed master sommeliers were stripped of their titles. And the article is by Monica Burton. This is big, big, big terrible wine news. I mean, mean it's... uh, So, they revoked the master um, sommelier designation from 23 to 24 people who recently passed the master... Smollier exam because apparently somebody on the court of master Smollier's um, leaked some information. Um, yeah, that's what I gathered. Yeah, it sounds it sounds accurate. I mean, from I read the Eater article mm-hmm. as well, and and you know certainly know some people that were had taken that exam and some that had passed. I was thinking you did. Um, and uh, I mean, I can't imagine being on either side of of that. I mean, from. I can absolutely understand the court's decision to do what they did because mm-hmm. the integrity of the program uh, has to be protected. You know, and yeah. I think that that probably was a very difficult decision to make. Uh, and then, you know, I know some of those people that had, had taken the test five times or six times, and and this was their year, and, and, and I believe that they did it honestly and truthfully, of course. And, um, and I just can't imagine the elation, and then a few weeks later, uh, hearing that news and, and realizing that, that you had to go after it again. So, I mean, that is, I can imagine it's just super devastating. And, and um, I, I really I, I can't imagine that feeling after working so hard for so long. Um, I also, however, understand that, I mean, if, if nothing had happened because of it, what would people be saying? You know, you passed because, you know, were you one of these people kind of a thing? I mean, that's that's sort of human nature and that's upsetting um but i think anyone that you know knows the people i'm talking about knows that they they're amazing people they did it well and and they're going to do it again you know so i think that's 
there's light at the end of the tunnel. I just, I, I feel like they probably felt like they just got through the tunnel and it's got to be real tough. Yeah. Well said. I completely agree. I mean, it's had, there, I've read 274 people have passed this exam, which started in 1969. I mean, it's a, it's not... Yeah. It's rare. It's a it's a low uh, number. It's one of the hardest exams mm-hmm. on earth. And people try and try and try and you know and study and study and study. And these are the best in the industry and the hardest working people and the most humble people. Um, and, and I think everyone's been very um, respectful about it. Although you know they they're not happy. Right. But I think that that shows a lot about their character and and about who they are. You know, saying this is devastating, but but we get it. What drives people to want to pass this? Is it, I, I saw something in this article saying passing the test can mean better career opportunities. Is that yeah, I think the I, main reason you I, think people, or I don't know? I think it's, it's, a, it's a, certainly a driving reason. I think a, there's not a lot else to go after in our industry, however. So it's a, it's a credential um, where there aren't other, many other credentials. Um, it, it puts you on an elite playing field for sure. Um, it, I mean, it means you have a, this knowledge level that, that other people haven't yet displayed. So, yeah, I think it's, it's great for your career. Uh, it's great, you know, um, just for, for who you are. But most of these people are driven. I mean, these are, we're talking driven people that work in the restaurant industry that are always going after something. Uh, and this is something to go after and to accomplish, and it's really hard. Um, and, and that's just very appealing to a lot of people. I think at least this type of person. So uh, that might be part of it too. Yeah. Well, I've seen the movie Psalm, which covers this, this exam and studying for it. And as much as I thought I knew about, or I thought I knew something about it, I knew not, I mean, I was like, the movie showed how intense it is. Well, and it is intense. And I mean, the world of wine is only getting bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. And that means the test is only getting more and more challenging as, as you go along. Um, you know, because you have to, I mean, it's a, it's a master certification. You have to be a master. And, uh, you know, I think it, it, it certainly is, is the most challenging test that I can think of um, in the world right now. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I feel badly for, for those yeah. people, but um, you're going to take it again and you're going to pass again. And Exactly. They'll, and they'll all... They'll all yeah. um, really just do a great job. Um, but, you know, I also, I also applaud the court for, for making mm-hmm. the tough decision that they made, knowing the effect that that would have. And yeah. they know everybody as well, and, and they know it wasn't an easy decision. So um, it's tough all, on, on every side. It's really tough. Yes, very true. The other article I had was in the New York Times entitled, The Smollier Finds Room to Breathe. The stresses and that. demands of restaurant work eventually compel many, like, Capri- like Patrick Capiolo, mm-hmm. to seek out other careers in wine. And this was by Eric Asimov, uh, who I've had on my show. Which is, yeah. Um, so, yeah, this, this, was, this was a big story, just talking about how a lot of top, top sommeliers in the industry have kind of um, left the restaurant work or, or working the floor and have found other careers, whether they're managing wine portfolios or starting their own wine businesses. Um, are you, you know, seeing that? Yeah. Or? I mean, I, I definitely see it. You know, I see, you see people that rise to the ranks and they're at the very top sommelier jobs and then uh, they go and do something else. Mm-hmm. And, 
and I sort of equate it to, you know, I was talking about how I didn't, you know, I didn't, I thought I was going to be a cook, and then I realized that there was there were other things to do. At some point, I think you realize that there are other things you can do with your skill set, and and um, and you know, people love challenges; they love doing new new things. But I think you see, you know, you meet winemakers and see all these people making wine, and you think, God, I could do that. That looks like a cool lifestyle. Or you know, you meet people running wine stores or working in distribution or, or any of these things that might start to appeal to you because you're in a different place in your life. Um, I, for one, still just really love restaurants, mm-hmm. and I really love service and and the, the way we get to do it. Um, you know, all those other things I think are very interesting, but I, I still really love uh, the, the restaurant side of things. I, I think that's, I've always loved restaurants and restaurant culture. And, you know, for, you know, I think for other people, they're looking to change industries, but still do what, you know, still talk about the yeah. subject. For me, I love sort of the industry, I think any subject in it is, is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. And I, I mean, you definitely, yeah, I feel certainly being, in a, I don't know, your situation in Blackberry Farm yeah. too is, I mean, that's, I was, you know, a lot of, a lot of people go to restaurants or work in restaurants and they move around after a couple of years or two. But when you, you find the right fit, the right home, you know, it's, it's great to be a part of a team and stay and, and, and get the, I don't know, the, yeah. just grow within the company. But I was also thinking with this, well, in this article, it was talking about uh, the hard work involved with, you know, the schlepping of the boxes and the stocking and the this, you know, a lot of the physical stuff that, like anything, I think, uh, you know, the, the glamorous, like people sometimes look at restaurant work or yeah. being a, a smoyer or working in the industry, like it's glamorous and, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's not completely. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I said earlier. There's sort of like everything you do during the day sets you up for the, the fun and what I would think the glamorous part of it is, of of you know serving mm-hmm. wine and tasting wine and even traveling. Uh, but there, there's a ton of hard work behind it. It's, it is physically demanding. Um, you know, like you said, you're schlepping things, you're moving stuff, you're day in day out restocking, receiving wine. You know working on this and that and and um yeah there's a i mean it, it is a job you know and, and it is a job. you have to work hard at it uh, for it to to operate the, the way it needs to um and i get i get it i get you know people want to do something different too after a time we are i am in a unique and i think special situation at blackberry where i mean we are not in any way set in our ways you know evolution and change is sort of part of our culture and so, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've never been bored and I, I never expect to be bored, um, doing what we're doing there. It's, it's, it's pretty exciting and dynamic. So, yeah, so it's fantastic. We're going to take one more break. We're going to come back. I'm going to do my solo dining experience and, uh, we'll have the final question. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Oh 
Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. So this week it's at Los Coglia at Legacy Records. Here's the rundown. The location. Marina del Canton Nerano, the Sorrento Peninsula in Campania, Italy. When it comes to New York City, because the actual location was here in Manhattan at 517 West 38th Street. The concept, an Amalfi-inspired lunch collaboration with the De Simone family. The chefs from Los Coglia, Tommaso De Simone, and from Legacy Records, Ryan Hardy. So why did I go? Because this lunch was put together my le- by my last show's guest, Fath- Fathom's Pavia Rosati, and so I knew it was going to be special. My experience. So I booked a spot for one on Resi, and the lunch was on Saturday at 1230 I arrived and uh, at Legacy Records, it was taking place upstairs in the private dining room on the second second floor. We were greeted with spritzers and some hors d'oeuvres. Then we sat down at communal tables. There were three large tables. And we had a long, leisurely lunch. There were many industry people at this event and even some celebrity sightings. Stephanie March was there. And uh, I sat next to Chef uh Cesare Casella, who I've known for a while, and we we had a really lovely time. The De Simone family um, was was so gracious and and hospitable, and Ryan Hardy and his team as well. Um, and also, it was cool to see they have these beautiful serving dishes that ceramist Margaret Braun has has done. She was a guest on my show, um, so it was fun to see her stuff. So what did I get? Okay, so I started out with a, a non-alcoholic spritzer that they made specifically specifically for me. It was a wine pairing dinner, but I didn't I don't drink, so I did not have the wines, but everyone was raving about them. So for the food, there was pasta d'oeuvres including heavenly squash blossoms, which were unbelievable. There was seasonal vegetables, uh, ensalada di polpo, Parmigiana di Loscoglio, and it was also Crudo di Legacy, and we had pastas, we had spaghetti all, zucchini was one of them, uh, there was there was a spigolo con compari, uh, wonderful fish, and for dessert, Delezia al Limon. So my take, it was all fabulous, uh, I especially loved this eggplant parmesan that they had, it was unbelievable. Okay, the ambiance. Beautiful, modern, private dining room with natural light. It's adjacent to an open kitchen that has a really awesome island in the middle of it. It's a really great space. So it's perfect for a taste of Amalfi in New York City. Interesting tidbit. Los Coglia is a family-run restaurant in Marina del Canton on the Amalfi Coast. It opened in 1956. They, it serves produce fresh from the sea, and it has a family farm. And Tommaso leads the kitchen and is extremely warm and personable. Um... Uh, his sister Antonia is is unbelievable. She she hosted the event and really wonderful. Personal fun fact: so I've been to the Amalfi Coast once. So I studied abroad in Florence, Italy. It was a long time ago, and that's when I visited. So I'm due to go back. And about half the lunch guests there, I'd say, had been there and were raving about it. The cost was $138. That's including everything, tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Uh, yes, I go there, I'd go here. Uh, their websites are hotelloscoglio.com and legacyrecordsrestaurant.com. And final note, I know Ryan Hardy was recently at Blackberry Farm. 
Yes, yeah, he was. <laughs> He's a great guy. I've known him for a while, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've been to Legacy Records on its own and his other restaurants here, Pasquale Jones and yeah. Chili Bird, and they're all, they're so, all great. Some of the greatest dining in the city, I think, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was really, like, just kind of coincidence, too, that I realized that he had recently been down there and I was going to this lunch, so. Yeah, yeah he and Robert Gore were, were recent guests, uh, Robert doing the, the wine side right. and Ryan doing the, the food. It was a great time. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Okay, so it's time for the final question. My next guest is Kim Severson. She is the Atlanta Bureau Chief for the New York Times. And she's awesome. <laughs> yes. Andy, what would you like to ask Kim? Oh, wow, I get to ask a question forward. Mm-hmm. So I was recently at a symposium where there was a great menu discussion. And uh, it, it was um, uh, kind of given by a, a restaurant critic and so there, there's a lot of critical feedback on menus and ways of dining. So I'd like to ask, what would you like to see from menus right now? What's most exciting in a menu, whether that be format, uh, verbiage, descriptions? Uh, I'd like to know. Okay. That's a great question. I'd like to, and I'm curious to see how she answers that too. Yeah. I would be interested. Well, thanks. Thanks for giving me that chance. <laughs> You're welcome. I like I like having my guests ask a question. It makes my job my job easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Anything I can do to help. Thank you. <laughs> so that's the show. Great. Thank you so much uh, yeah. for coming on and coming to Bushwick and being here live. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Sherry. Yeah. You're welcome. And congratulations on everything with Blackberry Farm. I look forward to hearing more about what happens at the mountain and, and all these fabulous activities you have planned. Yeah, the future is very bright. I yeah, thank you for that. For sure. You're welcome. My guest today has been Andy Chabot. He's the sommelier and director of food and beverage at Blackberry Farm. Their website's blackberryfarm.com. On Instagram, you can find them at Blackberry Farm and at Andy Chabot. You can find me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. Website's BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. You can also find Find all of our shows archived at heritageradionetwork.org. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as well. Um, I would like to thank my guest, my engineer today, Jeet. I would also like to thank Sarah Chabot for being here with us and for helping set things up. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be ne back next week with another live show. I hope you'll tune in then, and thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Food Radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.